Nachyomi for the Orthodox Union, Sefer Shoftim, the Book of Judges, Chapter 5, Perakhei, Rabbi Bini Marilis. Perakhei is known as Shiras Devorah, the Song of Devorah, although it is sung by more than just Devorah, nonetheless it comes and accrues to her because of her role as the Shofet, as the judge of the day, as well as the prophet of the day, as well as the leader of the Jewish people out to the war, and certainly fulfills what it is that she established in the last chapter with respect to the notion that it would not accrue to uh, Barak himself. This parak is unique in this sefer, and certainly unique for those studying Nachiomi to this point, in that it offers language and verse that's different than what we've seen to this point. Mostly to this point, we've seen essentially story, text. Here we get poetry, song. We get uh, terminology and language that's much more complicated, much more nuanced, much more difficult than that we've seen before. Uh, Per se, it may be our first uh, prophecy in uh, the language and in the way that we'll see later on in uh, Tanakh with our Nevi'im. And essentially the song breaks down into eight parts. Certainly amongst the different commentaries, there are different ways that it can be broken down. Uh, we will say for today that there are eight pieces to this story, to this puzzle. And the first section, which comprises really the second and the third verse, um, deals with Hoda. It's a sense of thanks to God for what has happened here in the victory over Sisra and Yavin. Uh, whereas the first verse, and uh, parenthetically the last verse, um, the last few words of the last verse will serve simply as bookends and as uh, an opening and a closer, an introduction and a summary. Here, uh, in the in- interim sections, um, with the look that's similar to Shira Tayam, to the Jewish people singing at Yamsuf, Az Yashir, um, we get the song and the prophecy of, of Devorah. So Devorah and Barak... On that day, the day of the victory itself, they sing and they offer up this song. It's a song in the sense that it's poetry and it's pro and it's poetic, and it's uh, written in a certain style. Um, and it's prophecy, however, unique in the sense that it's not a prophecy per se about the future, but it's a prophecy as per se um, inspired by the victory in the war and a perspective on the Jewish people and where they are um, and where they've been and perhaps where they need to be going forward. So for section number one, comprising of chapter uh, verses two and three, is essentially Hoda'ah. Bifro peros b'Yisrael b'Isnadev am barchu Adonai. Rashi writes in this in this verse that when Avodah sort of spread um, and exploded amongst the Jewish people, and now they're returning to God. Bisnadev Am, Rashi writes, Bisnadev Am means that they are desire, they are agreeing, they are accepting upon themselves to return um, to do tshuva, to return to God. Baruch Hu Adonai. It's an opportunity to bless God, to offer praise and thanks to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And now here it begins. It's our opening line. Shimu Melachim, Ha'azinu Roznim. Right? Listen, O kings, all in other nations, those of you who are leaders amongst the peoples, listen to what I have to say. Anochi Ladunai, Anochi Ashira. I am for God. I will sing to God. I will sing a song. Azamir Ladunai Elohei Yisrael. And I will sing a specific praise to the God of the Jewish people. And the difference there between it just simply being God and the God of the Jewish people is the notion of it being God of the world and specifically the unique nature and relationship of God with the people that Devo represents. 
We then move into section two. It's essentially a, a summary of text with respect to uh, how the Jews have gotten to where they are. Um, almost sort of a parenthetic historical discussion um, with respect to the nature and the unique connection between the Jewish people and God um, and how God appeared upon the Jews um, in, in Sinai, um, reminiscent of the language uh, and the notion of the idea that God offered the Torah and came to the Jews after going to the other nations of the world and offering them and not being accepted by them, and then God comes to the Jewish people. Eretz Rasha, right? God, when you left Seir and when you walked out, when you took your steps out of Sedeidom, Eretz Rasha, the ground shook. Gam Shamayim Natafu, the heavens opened up, the heavens, uh, you know, gave forth uh, uh, water. Gam Avim Natfumayim, and the clouds offered up their their waters and their rains. Harim Nazlum Adonai, the mountains flowed, the mountains melted is the way to understand that terminology. They, they simply melted in the way that the hearts of other nations melted earlier, but the mountains melted be- because of you and before you. Zesinai mipnei Adonai Elohei Yisrael. Just like at Sinai when it was lapidesh, when it was fire, when it was, um, when it was lightning and thunder and cloud uh, on the top of the mountain, so it is because of the God uh, of the God of the Jewish people God had descended on the mountain and the mountain melted in a certain sense. So that's the notion of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the notion of the nature of the relationship. The Jewish people witnessed that. The Jewish people were there. You're the God of the Jews. And so then she comes and she shifts, really, at this point, to the current moment, the days of Shamgar, who is our last uh, our last Shofet until step, the stepping forward of Devorah. She talks now about, really, the fear that exists um, uh, in the Jewish people leading up to the battle. Uh, remember from the last chapter, we talked about a 20-year period of uh, difficulties and suffering at the hands of Yavin of Sisra. And here she says as follows, Bimei Shamgar ben Anat, in verse 6, Bimei Yael Chadu Arachos, Vaholchei Nesivos, Yelchu Arachos Akalkalos. Then in the days of Shamgar, in the days of Yael, who we mentioned at the end of the last chapter, we'll get some great praise at the end of this chapter, so the Jewish people were afraid to go on the path. They were afraid to walk in public because of the Avodah Zarah, because of the auto worshippers that surrounded them. They would take circuitous routes. The language of the Gemara is Derech HaKalason. Here it's Akal Kalos. It would go well out of the straight and the narrow path, but to use other ways of traveling to where they needed to get to. Chadlu Pirazon Israel Chadelu. That the Jewish people in the certain, uh, in, the, in, the, in the Prazim, the cities that were open cities, the unwalled cities, were afraid of who was surrounding them, who was living around them. This is a unique situation because until this point, for many, many years, the Jewish people really were the power. They reigned in the in the community and in the land itself. And now the Canaanim are fighting back. They're making some inroads and they're having some impact and it's causing some pain for the Jewish people until the arrival of Devorah. Achakamti Devorah, until Devorah says about herself, until I arose... Shekamti, Shekamti, Aim Israel. I rose as the mother of the Jewish people. I arose to lead the Jewish people. I arose to be a prophet and a judge and a and a source of inspiration for the Jewish people. Very high praise for the person, an exalted level um, to call oneself the mother of the Jewish people. But essentially, she's the one who cares. She's the one who's worried. She's she's concerned about all the Jewish people. And when it is that Devorah arrives, arrives on the scene, everything changes. Essentially, when she uh, reaches her, perhaps her peak of power as a Shofet, 
um, in her on her own way, uh, the tide turns and the Jewish people come back. Here in verse eight, then she then offers essentially her language and her version of the unfortunate um, continuous process of the Jewish people in terms of their behavior up and down for God, against God, for Torah Mitzvot, against Torah Mitzvot, and the impact that we've talked about already a few times. Here she says it in her way. When the Jewish people choose other gods, then they have wars um, in their gates. And then they have to fight, they have to battle and shield themselves from the 40,000, from these, the, 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 the growing populace, populace, the growing army of the non-Jewish uh, leadership. In 9 and 10 and 11 and 12, uh, Devorah talks about the Matzav after. So here where she just talked about the Matzav before the war, here she's talking about the Matzav after the war, the Jewish people's situation following the war. And what happens after the war is essentially the polar opposite. No one's afraid to go on the path. No one's afraid to offer an opinion. No one's afraid to judge uh, righteously and properly. No one's afraid of any of the other nations. And she... And she's offering up her words. She's offering up her praise for those who, who offered, who offered up, who offered up their support and their time and their efforts for the safety of the Jewish people. <clears throat> She says, uh, I, I offer up my, my heart, my, my, my words for those who are misnadev, those who, who give, those who share of their time for, for the people. Baruch Hashem. Then again, it's a notion of blessing God. Because, those who ride on white donkeys, right, leaders who ride on white animals. Those who, who sit to judge. Those who go on the path, see, who are able to talk, they're able to be, they're able to offer and do what it is that they need. So here you see, as Rashi will tell you as follows, from the voices of the people, when you would go to get water, they were afraid of uh, all those that would be around. They were afraid of all the nations that would be uh, surrounding them. And so now you hear them, they're not afraid any longer. God, Rashi writes, he says, uh, nothing to be afraid of, nothing to worry about, that you have the Jewish people, um, you know, uh, uh, unafraid to do what it is that they need. From there, in those specific places, they will they will speak of the miracles that that that, that happened for the Jewish people. There, in the places where the Jewish people would go out to gain their resources, to gain their material strength, that's where they were battled. That's where they were fought. That's where the the enemy uh, struck. And they would be able to go, um, that they could return to their gates, and they could can, they could can, they could return to the places where they where they could be who they needed to be and wanted to be. They could return to the the locations of the gates. They could sit and be 
um, they could be what they needed to be and where they wanted to be. And finishing out that section, Uri Devora, Devora, Uri Uri Devora, Uri Uri Dabrishir. Right, rise, rise up, stand up. You know, uh, inspire, be inspired, be risen, be raised, Devora, to offer up a shear, Dabri shear. Kum Barak, Barak, stand up, offer all of your praises, uh, speak out, sing out to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And now in the next section, the next five, six verses, she offers praise to the tribes that participated um, and helped in the course of the battle uh, in this situation. Azirad Sari Ladirim Am. Those that came down, literally, came down for the battle. The Adirim, the, the, the beautiful amongst the Jewish people, the powerful amongst the Jewish people. They're not Yiradli Bagiborim. God came down with them. There you have where the people came down, a Kodesh Baruch Hu comes with them. In verse 14. Mini Ephraim Shoshamba Amalek. Starting out in history here, some of the commentaries make note, Rashi points out. Who was from Ephraim? Who is Ephraim? That's Yahushua, Yahushua, who first fought for Amalek. Acharecha Vinyamin Ba'amamecha. Then after him, perhaps it's it, it's a person from Binyamin. You might want to say it's somebody we've seen already in Ehud. That's perhaps the case. Rashi says perhaps it's the future. That Shaul, that Shaul is who she's talking about. In the future, someone from Binyamin will step forward. Mini Machir Yardu Mechokikin, people, the children of Machir. Machir, who's from Menasha, right, who sits on the other side of the river. He came down and he fought. Mizvulun Moshkin Beshevet Sofer. And the Zvulun. Zvulun also came down. Zvulun, who participated in their in their war, and in, in, who participated in the situation. This is talking about here people who are scribes. Right? They came down with the Chachma of Torah. They came down with the Chachma of, uh, 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 of the abilities to write. They're the ones that are located here. They're the ones who are participating as well. The Sarabi Yisacharim Dvorah. The people of Yisachar came down. She says in verse 15, the Das uh, Rashi writes, those from Yisachar were the Sanhedrim. These are the great scholars, the Oskim Batora, the young, those who understood. They were always there with her and with the people to teach law, to teach the manner how to behave, how to be. They're counted to Yisachar, Kain Barak, Chulach Baraglav, Yisachar Ben Barak. Excuse me. Rashar Amsha Yisachar writes at Rashi, Kain Haim Im Barak And the rest of Yisachar, not just the scholars, were there. They went down. They went into the day. They did what needed to be done for the Jewish people. They did what needed to be done in the valleys for the people, for the war itself. She finishes off the verse here with Reuven. The groups of Ruvain, the, the, the tribe of Ruvain. So where were they? What was their story? What were they doing? Rashi writes, they were sitting around, in a sense, in a sense, and they were listening to what was going on in the war. Who is, uh, who's winning? And will be, uh, will, will be with them. So meaning, in, in the middle of the, the, of the praise section, she offers up her comments for the other uh, tribes as well. 
Lama yeshavta bein hamishbasayim. She says to them, Why were you sitting down doing nothing? Why weren't you part uh, participating? Lishmoas shirikos adarim. That you're sitting down to listen to the voices. Who's winning? Who's strong? Who's not strong? Why weren't you participating? Why weren't you with us? Liflagos reuven gedolim chikreleiv. To the greats of the of the tribe of Reuven. Why weren't you there? Why weren't you part of it? Gilad be'eva hayardin shachain. V'dan lama yagur anios. To the Gilad, she says something similar. Although it is that Machir comes across, right, that the that the other families that uh, they don't um, they don't participate. Machir comes, Gilad doesn't come. V'dan, dan, you're sitting around by your boats. What are you doing? Where are you? Asher, yashav lechof yamim. Not distant, not that far away. These nations are close. Val mifritzav yishkon. And they're sitting by, and they're resting on their laurels, and they're not participating in the war. They're not helping out the community. They're not helping out the Jewish people. Zvulun am cherif nafshalamus v'naftali am ureisadeh. In verse 18, Zvulun and Naftali, they're there. They're out on the fields. They're in the battle. They're on the the, the theater of uh, of war. They're fighting. They're giving up their souls. Now, parenthetically, we mentioned at the outset that it was in their area that this battle was taking place. So. Nonetheless, she offers them praise for having done um, what it is that they were set to do. And now, verse 19, we actually get to the war. In this section here, we finally hear some of the additional details of the war, leading into the destruction of Sisra, and one larger statement that Devorah offers. It wasn't just the Canaanim, it wasn't just Yavin, it wasn't just Sisra, but kings came to fight. The kings of Canaan. Bisanach Ame Megiddo, in a place called Tanach, near the, the, the waters of Megiddo. Betza Kesev Lolakahu, not for money. They came to help, an opportunity to fight the Jewish people, an opportunity to do something against the people that were establishing and taking hold of their land. No money, you keep it. We don't want it. We simply want to participate. We want to be part of the war nation to destroy the Jews. That's a theme that plays out through history. There's no interest per se in the dollars. They want they want the Jews. They were, fought, they were fought against from heaven. HaKadosh Baruch Hu participated. Not just our enemies, not just our generals, not just our warring nations, but God. The stars in the heavens came out of their paths, left their axes to fight the war with Sisra. In other words, you can take that literally, that in fact perhaps some very serious miracles occur where the heavens participated in the war and the heavens helped the Jewish people, or you can take it simply as poetry, that almost to the point where everything was behind the Jewish people, everything followed, all of the Jews and all the path was there to help the Jews in this war. Nachal Kishon Girafam. Nachal Kidumim, Nachal Kishon. This old river, this early river, Nachal Kishon, that we mentioned goes east to west from Har Tavor out towards the Mediterranean. Tidrichi Nafshi Oz. That's what, that's what helped the Jewish people. It seems that the waters overflowed in Nachal Kishon at that time to help to what we talked about, Vayaham, the idea of the, of the, the nation being discombobulated, thrown into a disarray. Um, is perhaps by virtue of the fact that suddenly out of nowhere um, a flash storm arises in the valley in the Nachal, uh, wiping them out and destroying the chariots and their horses. If you're not expecting a flash flood and it simply arrives, you have no chance of survival. If you're in a valley where there's no water and it has rained in the, in the recent past or that the waters from the mountains are now melting, 
the 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 ice and there's uh, there's sort of the ice melt from the the mountains into the valleys. So then you have a serious problem if you're standing in a valley where in fact the Kenanim are, whereas Barak is coming from the mountain itself. Az halmu ikvesus, right? The 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 shoes of the of the of the of the horses, the armor of the horses essentially now is is destroyed, is held back. Midaharos, Daharos Abirav. They it was now impossible. They were in serious danger. They're simply being destroyed. Rashi writes, Hayu There's a language of a very strong against them, of it beating down on the animals themselves. Uru meroz amar malach Adonai. Oru aruyo shveha. Kilo bol leezras Adonai leezras Adonai begiborim. Here now she mentions. Here now she mentions that there was another area, another region that didn't come, that didn't participate, that they didn't fight the war, and she's essentially cursing them. She's offering words to them for not coming, not helping the Jewish people. Who they are is not clear. Who meroz is isn't exactly obvious. But here in the seventh section of the story. She now offers kala and bracha. So she curses these people from Miroz, and now she offers the blessing to Aisha's uh, Chavir Kaini, to Yael, with respect to what she does. And let's get to what it is that, that Yael does, according to the text here. Tivarach minashim Yael, Aisha's Chavir Hakaini. Yael is praised, Yael is offered a great bracha for what it is. Minashim ba'ohel tivarach, from amongst the women of the tent. The women of the tent can be taken literally to the women of her day, or perhaps as some of the commentaries offer, that the Nashim of the Ohel are the Imahos. That what it is that Yael does for the Jewish people is tantamount and perhaps greater and higher than what it is that the Imahos do. That she is uh, more blessed than the women of the tent by virtue of the fact that she has to kill a person. Sister arrives, Mayim Sha'al Chalav Nasana. He asks for water, she gave him milk. Besefal Adirim Hikrivachema. And then in a very fancy, in a very beautiful um, bowl, she brings him, either it's the milk or she brings him some sort of a butter, some sort of a food item out of honor, respect, and dignity to him to give him a meal to tire him out further from his long trip. She grabbed the spike. She held and she, and she grasped the spike of the tent. And her right hand held the held out towards the, the individual who, who was tired in her focus. She then essentially does the act. The language here goes in and come, it comes, goes in one side and comes out from the other side of his head. The same way we mentioned it before. The language, the reverberating, the repetitive language of the terminology here, Karan Nafal, Karan Nafal, he falls down between her legs. He falls down before her, essentially, where he was sitting, where he was resting. Here you have a woman standing there with a hammer in her hand, with a spike that she just drove through the head of the great general of the Kanani army. So it's an interesting sort of picture. The woman standing, the man fallen dead on the ground, with a spike through his skull all the way across. She's praised for such an act. It's not something that can be simply done. It's not something that can simply easily be accomplished by anybody. It's not something that she was actually asked for and asked to do, but it's something she takes upon herself and she's praised for it. In the last section of the story, in the last section of the song, we hear about the mother of Sisra, Aim Sisra, and how she's sitting and waiting 
by the window waiting for her son to arrive home with the spoils of war, with his victory, being proud of her son. And it talks about the things that he must be doing by virtue of the fact that he's now being delayed in his return and is so proud of the fact that he's collecting the spoils of war, colorful garments, and the, uh, the women that they have left over to take as slaves um, for their own uh, vices and their own desires. Beside by the by the window, by the Eshnav, is some sort of an illuminating stone. She's sitting, the mother of Sisra awaits the arrival and the return of her son. If Sisra is this great general, then his mother must be a very highly placed and exalted woman in the camp as well. Why does he delay in returning? Boshesh is a language we see by Moshe Rabbeinu. It's a person who's a person is late, someone who's expected to return, who's not returned yet. Why are the bells of his chariot not with us, not here? Chachmos Saroseha in verse 29, Ta'anena. The, the, the smart, the women of her, her, uh, her camp, her, her viceroys, her princesses, will answer. Even then they will speak to her and she will answer as well. Her own comfort. Aren't they now gathering up all of the spoils of war? More is given over to the, the leader. More is given over to the person in charge, since he's the one. He's gathering colored garments to sister. Sister's getting the most beautiful of the clothing. These sort of neck garments, these things that a person would wear around their necks, as uh, colorful would, would, would show... Um, uh, a status for an individual would accrue to the highest, most uh, important person. And of course, she's buying into it. Of course, that's the reason. Not perhaps that he lost, not perhaps that he died. But this is what she's proud of. This is what she's focused on. This is what she's expecting in the return of her warmongering uh, general son of the Canaanim. And in fact, he's dead. In the last verse, Devorah offers essentially some sort of a, a, a request, and some sort of a bekash of a Baruch Hu, of God, a tefillah, for the future. So, so it should be with all the other nations, with all the other enemies of the Jewish people, that they should fall too, and they, we should be victorious of them, and that the lovers of God, those who are for God, and those who believe in God, those who are, are faithful to God, should be like the sun coming out in its strength, like the sun at its glory, like the sun at the peak, those two, the, in that same way, should be the Jewish people. The text ends, The repetition of the notion that it's another 40-year period of quiet, another 40-year period where the land is silent and the Jews are following. We'll continue tomorrow with Perak Vav, the sixth Perak.